Welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series created specifically for tourism operators. Talking Tourism, the expert series, is the ultimate resource for business owners who want to lift their skills to the next level. If you want to learn how to be a better tourism operator, listen on. Well, hi there and welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series especially for tourism operators and industry professionals. I'm Emma Azon-Giacometti and I'll be your host for today's episode. Talking Tourism is an initiative of TICT, Tourism Industry Council Tasmania, which is the peak industry body for the tourism industry in our beautiful state of Tassie. If you're a regular listener to Talking Tourism, we welcome you back with open arms. And if you're a first-time listener and you do enjoy today's episode, remember there's now over 80, maybe even 90 Talking Tourism conversations available from wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can stream them straight from our website, tict.com.au. Now, I'm joined today across a couple of borders by Michelle Levine, who's the CEO at Roy Morgan Research. Michelle, welcome. Thank you. It's so nice to have you here. Firstly, I I must check if I've actually pronounced your surname correctly. You did it perfectly. I was so thrilled. Amazing. And that was with with no practice. I'm I'm so, so pleased to hear it. Michelle, as I've mentioned, is the CEO at Roy Morgan Research, a a company that I'm sure most of our listeners will be familiar with in in some way, shape or form. Perhaps you've filled out a survey or answered a phone call from someone from Roy Morgan. But Michelle, could you start by telling us a little bit about who and what Roy Morgan Research is and what your role within the organisation is as well? Oh my goodness, I could fill the whole hour with that. Oh, hour. All right. Let's go. <laughs> I could go forever. So, so Roy Morgan Research was basically founded by Roy Morgan in the 1940s, basically to hear what Australians felt about everything. He wanted to make sure that the people of Australia had a voice. And he always said, if we didn't go about doing our business, asking people what really Australians thought, then the politicians and journalists would make it up and claim to speak for them. Mm-hmm. So our business at Roy Morgan is at its heart asking people questions and reporting what they've said. Well, we like Roy Morgan very much in that case. It sounds like um, the business and, and Roy Morgan himself has gone a huge way to bringing a voice to Australians where it matters. So tell us a bit about your role as CEO. So I've been the CEO for many, many years And essentially, I joined the company with a major study on people's values, looking at people's values all around the world and seeing what was different, what drove people. Because, you know, and this this comes back to things like consumer confidence and essentially what makes people make the choices that they make? Why do they do certain things? And it's about their values. It's Mm -hmm. about what they want in life, what they're looking for. Um, Are they looking to make money or be important? have a family life? Are they looking for security? So that's where I began my journey at Roy Morgan and kind of got gradually drawn in as a young researcher to understand how do you keep a company operating? How do you make a profit in a business that seemed more like a charity? Mm. And so now I'm running the place. Amazing. It sounds absolutely fascinating. I think, yeah, coming back to, to values with all sorts of choices and you've, you've mentioned exactly what I'd like to talk about today and what I think our listeners will be really interested in is around priorities and behaviours and how specifically travellers and tourists uh, make their decisions about where they'll travel, how they'll do it. And of course, we're especially interested right now in what the 
those habits might look like because the world has changed so dramatically in the last 18 months. With it, so too have the behaviours of travel consumers. Have you guys done any research around that? We've been talking to people ever since the lockdown started, so really tracking how they feel about everything. And I'm so glad you said it's about people because quite often people think that travel is about the product or something Mm. else. In fact, it's about the people. It starts with the consumer, the person that says, what would I like to do? What would make me happy? What will fulfill whatever my desire is? So what we've seen over this last 18 months is extraordinary. People still would love to go on holiday. I mean, holidaying is just what Australians love to do. There's no question about that. But obviously, for the most part, we haven't been able to. Mm. Um, We haven't been able to travel overseas and people haven't been able to come from overseas to here. So there's like a a, a real pent-up demand that's sitting there for when people can travel. So I think that's the really good news for the travel industry. It certainly is, it, it is. It's really good news. But I think what, what we're seeing is like we, we all know there's a battle of COVID versus the vaccine. Mm. You know, how quickly is COVID spreading? How quickly can we all get vaccinated? But there's an, also another battle going on between our kind of human desire to break out versus our human desire for security. Mm-hmm. And I think this is one of those really challenging things that I'm looking at is to say, you know, how long do we need to be locked up before we actually lose our desire to break out and become almost institutionalised is the wrong word, but, you know, homified so that we just stay home. And stay and safe. And I see that as a real as a real danger. But um, given that the, the vaccine will be, you know, it, it, it will be rolled out sort of towards the end of the year well enough, I think there's time for our real desire to break out, be free, experience things will actually win over. And is Roy, but, Morgan, Roy Morgan asking those sorts of questions at the moment of Australians, uh, sort of put pitting the, the security of home against the breaking out and, and travelling question? We're, we're actually monitoring the kind of things that that would be reflected in, which is an intention to travel, an intention to save, mm-hmm. uh, the sort of the nesting behaviour that we've seen. So it's, it's very interesting if we look at the big themes, the things that have really changed for people. Number one, everything's gone digital, you know, at a, at a much faster rate. Most of the organisations that we deal with are saying that the trajectory to doing things digitally online has probably been skyrocketed five plus years. Wow. So, you know, it, it's we've just sort of landed five or more years into the future. So everyone's sort of gone digital, even if they were just tiptoeing into it Mm. earlier. The next thing that's changed dramatically is working from home in a really kind of clunky, uncomfortable way, but lots and lots of people have experienced working from home. So that's really changed the pattern of behaviour. It's almost changed neural pathways. You know, people used to kind of get up and they'd be at work before they even thought about it. Now they're thinking, will I? Mm. Won't I? And do you and think either of those factors around the, the fast-tracking of digital worlds and as well as the working from home, do you think that's going to play into future behaviours of travellers? I think it will. The digital piece, definitely. I think people have been moving towards wanting um, a more frictionless existence, a more frictionless experience, and that plays out in booking for holidays or, or planning 
any kind of activity. So um, the digital experience and a frictionless experience is just going to be expected, Mm -hmm. not like a fantastic idea. You kind of just got to have it. Mm -hmm. And I think working from home will have a really kind of an imperceptible change in what people are looking for from a holiday. You know, it's going to have, is a holiday going to be to travel, to escape? Is it about relaxation? I think we can expect to see a lot of people looking for extended family experiences Mm -hmm. as they plan their holiday. This lockdown, working from home, has meant that people have had much less social contact. Yeah, now, that, that families makes would sense. say, I've had lots of contact with, with my, my children family. and they're driving me <laughs> insane. And the, you know, the immediate family that you're living with is probably driving you crazy because you've never been locked up like that. <laughs> but the more extended family, um, you know, the, the idea that you would somehow gather the people you love and care about and create a wonderful experience, I think creates an opportunity for a really high value experience. Yeah, that makes very good sense. I know that you've travelled to Tasmania um, on a number of occasions and you'd know a little bit about how our tourism industry rolls and and some of what you've described, I think, arguably speaks right into exactly what the Tasmanian tourism industry offers to a, a market anyway. What do you think our Tasmanian tourism operators can do specifically um, to use the findings that Roy Morgan is is sharing with us now to their advantage? Look, I think one of the most important things is there are many tourism operators or businesses that won't make it. I mean, there are some that will actually decide that it's kind of too hard to pivot and, you know, they really, they're about to retire. So there Mm. are some that will just say, okay, time to stop. If you're not one of those, and there's nothing wrong with being one of those because many tourism operators are in it because they love it, they don't really want to change, But if you're not one of those, I think it's all about being confident. It's all about being really of the view that we there will be people coming to Tasmania. There's no question. There will be people coming to Tasmania and there will be people coming to Tasmania with money to spend Mm. and with many choices to make. So I think the the folk in Tasmania in this tourism industry have to have confidence to build the most exquisite extraordinary experiences that they can you know if we if we think about it the last thing a visitor wants when they left their you know we've left melbourne or wherever we've left and come to tasmania we just don't want to land there and find people saying oh it's been really rough you know Mm -hmm. we haven't been able to do anything nobody wants to hear that so my my guidance is to say you know it has been rough everyone's had it rough nobody wants to hear about it Um, you know, turn your mind to creating really wonderful experiences for people and don't be too afraid of the cost of these things because what the economy, what's happened in the economy of Australia, and I didn't predict it, I thought it was going to be a basket case. I thought COVID would just create massive unemployment and it would be just terrible. It's been completely different to that. The government support and incentives in all areas has actually increased the money in most people's pockets. Mm. Most people are better off than they've ever been before. They haven't been spending money on anything. So they're not looking at the cheapest, you know, most they can get for their dollar. They're really looking for a fabulous experience. So keep that in mind instead of trying to kind of, I don't know, um, 
just barely get by. That's so encouraging to hear, particularly from someone who is interstate and yourself um, in, in a lockdown environment for the last several weeks. What's your feeling sort of anecdotally, personally? We, we talk about we're just convinced that everyone must be sitting in Sydney, scrolling their phones and dreaming, dreaming about Tasmania. Do we have a head in the clouds or is there an element of truth to that? Look, I think people, are, that they may not all be sitting there scrolling on their phones thinking about Tasmania, but it's pretty clear that Tasmania is, you know, it's the most vaccinated place. It feels like a really safe place to mm. go. So it's definitely seen as a, a great place from that perspective. And what we're seeing is that intention to go places, um, I've never seen anything like we're seeing at the moment. We ask people, where would you like to go in the next two years? 30% of people have no idea. Now, that's unheard of. Mm. You know, people usually have a place they're thinking of going. So everything's kind of dropped. Like Victoria's really dropped. Melbourne was top of the pops, kind of still is, but it's really dropped. New South Wales has dropped. It's absolutely dropping in parallel with COVID and lockdowns. And Tasmania hasn't. Tasmania's sitting at just the same level of desire as, as it's always had. Good. So that's great. It's, it's holding its own. But I would say, you know, Tasmania could take as many people as you can offer wonderful things to. Excellent. We would love to. Are you seeing from, from that same question that there might be some competitors that we should be keeping an eye out for? Any others who are looking really positive? Well, Queensland's looking pretty good. Um, and I think, you know, the other thing you have to think about is winter. It's pretty cold and awful. And, um, In Tassie? People will it's be beautiful. Thinking, Beautiful in Tassie. Oh. I'm talking about Melbourne. Ah, oh, sure. No, it's beautiful. Blue skies down here today. Absolutely stunning. All right. Well, you know, give <laughs> Queensland a run for its money. Happy look, to. Make no mistake, everyone in Australia in the tourism um, industry, if they're not aware, they should be aware. We are in for a kind of um, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity when the borders are open and people are free to travel, but not overseas, mm. there will be a flurry of people. So, you know, this is going to be a really amazing opportunity that you desperately want people to take advantage of. Um, and that's why I really encourage people to think about the best experience they can, they can offer people. And I always sort of flippantly say, the aim is to bring people to you and get them to leave with full of experiences full of joy, but with an empty wallet and a maxed out Perfect. credit card. We love it. Because, you know, I, it's true, though. You know, nobody goes home and says, oh, great holiday. Well, it wasn't actually that good, but I've still got money on my credit yeah. card. And I, didn't spell. I mean, you know, that's not what people want. And yet um, it's one of the things that holds us back in terms of creating experiences. Mm. It's a funny thing to be talking about at the moment, I think, because obviously with state borders closed and uh, the industry in many ways uh, really suffering, it's a, a bit of a, a paradigm shift to be thinking about, well, what can we do to offer incredible experiences when there's no one to offer those experiences to yet? But I yes, think a, a I really agree. great message for our operators I is to be thinking agree. about it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it is it's kind of, you know, I was very aware as I was thinking this through how it feels almost insensitive. Mm. But the reality is um, if you aren't confident, you know, what, what drives depressions is people lose confidence. 
and you must have confidence. Yes. And we've seen this, we haven't seen COVID, but we've seen other things like this and we do recover. And the people and the organisations that recover fastest are those people who are confident, people who are confident, organisations that are confident and those who can actually see a really positive future because that kind of positivity, excitement, that draws people to you. It's so true. And and does your research support that kind of positivity? Absolutely. Should, should we be confident? There is, absolutely. And it also supports that, you know, confidence doesn't come. You don't have to wait until all the good stuff happens so you feel happy. There is a positive state of mind that really attracts things. Yeah, excellent. You mentioned earlier, um, you know, we need to be ready for when those borders open and, and we get that influx. You're the the woman with the, the Midas touch on all things research. When When's that going to happen? What's the specific date, Michelle, that we can get ready for? <laughs> Do you know, that's the question our staff were asking me in March last year. And what did you tell them then? <laughs> I said, guys, I don't know. Do you know now? And you know what? No, <laughs> I think, look, I reckon by October we'll all be, with the, the, the vaccine levels we, will be kind of about right. And, you know, at that point we'll be travelling is my view. It might be before then, but I think we've got to at least, you know, by then we should be well and truly travelling. Well, there's but that positivity and confidence. hoping to. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, and, and I think that also gives our operators a really good opportunity to to spend the next couple of months preparing for that great guest experience, great customer experience that's going to draw travel consumers from wherever they might be right. to us specifically. I think that's right. And look, if I look across not only the tourism industry, but all the other industries, those organisations that have come out well from COVID, and there are some that have done brilliantly, mm. are the ones that actually looked at it and said, okay, what do we need to do? Where do we want to be after this? What opportunities can we take to change and mm. pivot right now? And there's just extraordinary stories about that kind of thing and also about living with uncertainty, um, about actually recognising you, you won't know what's going to happen next week, but you will know that next year things will be terrific and you also know that there's a window of opportunity coming. You're not quite sure when it is, you better be ready for it mm. because everyone else will be ready to pounce. You know, the competition will be broad. Everyone mm, is waiting for true. this kind of, you know, um, the lights go on and everyone wants to, not party, but everyone wants to go places, mm. experience different things. Well, you heard it here first, everyone. Next year, things are going to be terrific. Thank you, Michelle. We love that sort of positivity. <laughs> it's awesome. And thank you so much for sharing both the, the findings of research through Roy Morgan as well as your own personal insights in, into what you sort of see as really important for our industry moving forward. My I, pleasure. Um, I warned you that we always finish every episode with the big seven and had a question for you before we started recording around whether you could even answer these, given you're not in Tasmania, but you are ready and raring by the sounds of things. I, I should have said no, then I could have skipped the questions, couldn't well, I? I should have learned from the Roy is... Morgan questionnaire <laughs> style. No, this is the best part. Let's, let's go in with it. What's your favourite spot in Tasmania and why? Well... Look, my favourite spot has got to be the Theatre Royal. Wow. And I know it's probably an unusual thing, but it's just gorgeous. And if I could travel everywhere and just visit the unique theatres, I would. Amazing. Have you been here since its recent renovation? No, but I'm dying to. So there you go. Invite me and I'll be there. Uh, come on down. As soon as your border <laughs> lets you, you are so invited. What about your favourite travel destination anywhere in the world? 
Look, I long to go to Ireland. So um, my history is Irish, so I mm-hmm. think maybe it's a bit of lockdown. I'd love to go back and just kind of experience that whole thing. But it's interesting, my other favourite spot in Tasmania was to Deloraine, a little place. Wow. Which was a trip down memory lane with my mum. And, you know, it's funny, isn't it? The unique little things that you do that stay in your mind. So my mum was there wanting to visit everybody in Deloraine in case she could find some relatives there. So that is a wonderful experience. Well, she met some people who I think she convinced might be relatives. (laughs) Good on her. We're all related down here anyway, aren't we? There are are people there that would love to be relatives and and it was just a wonderful experience. Beautiful. I hope there's some Deloraine listeners right now. That's probably one of the first shout-outs that they've had on our particular podcast. It probably is. Good on you, Deloraine. (laughs) What about if someone was coming to Tasmania for the first time in their life and they ask you, uh, a seasoned Tasmanian traveller, what's one thing they absolutely must experience? What would you tell them? Oh, look, it would have to be Mona. It would have to be Mona. I mean, that's just extraordinary. Mm, I'm sure that's a popular answer. Did you sure. happen to walk the Overland Track while you were here on any any occasion? No, I didn't. You know the Overland so Track's a good five days? No, no, you d- certainly don't. You don't need to have walked it to answer this question. It's a five-day walk, and in this case, we're giving you the choice of three people to take with you, anyone in the world. They can be famous, not famous, living, dead. Who is it and why? Oh, look, I looked at this and I thought, who would I like to travel with for five days that's famous? And I couldn't think of anybody that would, you know, be interesting. And again, it would be very much family. I'd love to be able to walk there with my mum and Mm. my dad and my grandmother because they were wonderful travellers. I'm a terrible traveller. I'm a terrible tourist. But but those folk love to travel, love to experience anything and everything. So they would be the ones that would drag me into whatever was going. Brilliant. Overland track is something that probably would take some dragging for many of us. So that's probably a good choice. What if you're road tripping around Tassie, maybe you're heading from Hobart up to Deloraine. What are you listening to in the car? Hobart to Deloraine. Look, I thought about this. Early in the trip, if I'd been really frantic up until that time and I needed to chill, I'd probably listen to something like Swan Lake. Wow. Um. Yeah, that's what I do to chill. Mm-hmm. I work at Roy Morgan. I need chilling. <laughs> um, later on, it would be something I could sing along to, like musicals from the 40s or the 50s or the 60s or maybe later. Perfect. Window or down. depending on who I'm with, you know, something that they loved. Lovely. What about your, your drink of choice when you arrive at your destination? Coffee. I only drink coffee. Okay, good. What, what's your coffee order? Just black coffee. Okay, we'll keep that in mind for when you come down and see us very, very soon. And the last big one, <laughs> did on you, you did you happen to try curried Tasmanian scallops on any of your visits to us? Absolutely not. And I'm told the only thing worse than curried scallops is curried scallop pie. I actually think curried scallop pie is almost a bit better because at least there's pastry and you can avoid the curried scallops, which is giving away my answer to the question and clearly yours. What, what, an, what, an, what an interesting phenomenon, eh? Isn't it ever? A culinary crime by pie. the sounds of it. How yeah, bizarre. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not for me either. But, um, yeah, glad to know that there's another person who, who hasn't bothered to try. 
Michelle, thank you so much for your time today and for all of your insights and and including telling us about your own visits to Tasmania. And thank you to our listeners for listening to today's episode of Talking Tourism. Just a reminder that you can subscribe to hear more episodes. We're releasing them every two weeks or so. And remember to tell a friend or a tourism colleague to check out our podcasts as well. As I mentioned earlier, Talking Tourism is an initiative of TICT. I'm your host, Emma Azon-Giacometti, and we will catch up next time. You've been listening to Talking Tourism, brought to you by Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. For show notes, other materials and episodes, head to tict.com.au. Be sure to come back every fortnight for a new instalment of Talking Tourism. Talking Tourism.